this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. listeners, this is Brent Sutton. Welcome to the 68th episode of the Practice of Learning Teams podcast show. During the month of March and into April, I'm taking a tour of the United Kingdom and talking with a group of diverse individuals who are contributing to the new view of safety and learning teams. On today's show, I'm joined by Diane Chadwick-Jones. Diane is both a seasoned professional, claims to have retired and in my view, is a deep thinker in the new view, and in particular, how to help leaders to better understand and be curious about the new view of safety. Please sit back and enjoy this episode of Challenging the Status Quo with Diane Chadwick-Jones as we start our UK tour of learning and improving together. And, and the fact that you now claim to be retired, but in actual fact, you've <laughs> busy than ever as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's funny. You retire, and then you think that you'll you know be put out to pasture, and then then you realise that the momentum that you and the people around you have been creating to this momentum for change that you still want to be part of that momentum, and uh, and and so I've done that through mentoring, through volunteering, uh, a bit of consultancy work, and quite a lot of communications and this is you know another ability to communicate so thank you for that no thank you and of course and through this process I think what's been very evident is that you know part of your role and I think one of those skills that you've really honed in is that ability to continue to challenge the status quo yes well it's interesting because I we keep on hearing the same concerns and issues all the time like we have to learn just from our incidents rather than from what happens every day we that we we should be doing bbs because we should be focusing on people because they're the problem and when we talk about blame being the enemy of learning what we we get back is a very strong response of oh well so there's no accountability anymore and so you know that that status quo which is embedded in the idea that the frontline worker is the problem to be controlled and that the frontline worker are the ones who cause the incidents um there's a very many years of being of effort being put into it and we see the successes from the aviation and from the nuclear industry and other industries. And so keep on moving in a positive direction to educate leaders, but not blame them, uh, is, and to show a different way of doing things and how that really improves safety. Um, that's the, the benefit that we get from challenging the status quo. So, so it sort of reminds me a little bit of Victorian England. If we flog the workers harder, they'll become more productive. Is that? Yeah, and this is this is idea that set the combination between setting expectations combined with punishment 
for not meeting those expectations leads to motivation. Mm -hmm. uh, well, of course, what it does is it drives reporting underground and leads to a, a workforce who feel like they're in some sort of victimhood, as per Victorian England, just as you've said. Yeah, and of course, and it probably then creates a cultural practice of victimization. Well, I think we can see this in a number of industries where there are very poor labor relations and how how important unions are because the because of the the lack of understanding by the organizations that punishing the workers for things that they're doing that anybody else would do because of the way that the work is set up. So somebody missing a step in a procedure, for example, punish the worker for that to make an example of them um, to the other, to their peers. But instead, what we, when we look at it in more detail, what we see is that A, the procedure um, it needed to be updated, B, the procedure had 55 steps in it, which meant that it was easy to miss a step. Um, and thirdly, that the people hadn't been sufficiently trained on the procedure. And so there's this feeling of unfairness, mm -hmm. um, but, but much worse than the feeling of unfairness is that if we um, sack somebody for missing a step in a vital step in a procedure, we never find out why it was that that person missed the step in the procedure. And it happens again and again and again. And, and many times it's always been happening. We just weren't aware that it wasn't happening because it didn't lead to anything going wrong at the time. Well, it's a bit like you know, me driving my kids to school. So I've driven my kids to school thousands of times and I've never had an accident. But every, every single time I've driven them to school, this something has happened. Like I've had to manage a, a, a cyclist in front of me or somebody going too fast or ice or, um, or a traffic jam or um, my kids shouting in the back. Uh, and, but, but it's only when I started teaching my children to drive and driving with them to school that I would realize the details of what was making it difficult mm -hmm. that they would have, they would have to, you know, um, break particularly early at one particular junction because it was prone to ice or they would have to go particularly slowly at one on one piece of road because it's so narrow um it, it, it or to cross a bridge this is, this is a bridge that where we live that you have to go in groups of three you take turns in groups of three and that's the accepted practice but there's no rule to say you should cross this bridge in groups of three because that's how many the bridge can take and that's the the rhythm of the two um types of the two directions of traffic um, but I only saw that when I was actually teaching my children to drive. So using these very simple analogies on for using driving and saying, well, there's been no incident in those thousands of times. But yet when I walk through it, um, like doing a walk through, talk through, I can then see 
all those difficulties that I've that have been embedded mm -hmm. in the reality of the of the work. So, and, and I think you're describing to me the, the, the nature of dynamic risk. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. But when we talk about dynamic risk, I, I find it very difficult to actually say those words to senior leaders because I, I say things like, well, in the ever-changing world that we live in, uh, with where workers could come up against um, issues with resourcing, uh, changes to the to the procedure, issues of the weather, and I I I, I try and use words that feel less um, technical, mm -hmm. and and definitely, uh, for example, never use the word paradox or dilemma, mm -hmm. because people just look at me blankly. Um, so so I so yes, we're living in this dynamic, complex system with many different components of which components of which people are only one piece i have to be very careful with my language when i talk about it um, because otherwise people's eyes just glaze over mm -hmm. i was with a group of uh with a board last week and i said to them you know um you go through all this process of you know, assessing risk and evaluating risk and building mitigations and controls and then you have something that's left over. Mm. And then you hand it off to your workers. And you're basically saying, um, the organization can't mitigate this any further, can't control it any further. We've done the best we can. We're either having to accept it or tolerate it, but we pass it off to you. And for some reason, we are then hopeful that you'll take all the things that we can't do and then suddenly turn it into a miracle. Well, I, I really appreciate that example, actually, because it's another way of saying that we can only plan to a certain amount of detail mm -hmm. and that the workers on the day, they're the ones who are completing the plan because then they see the reality of all the different components all the different risks that, and the and the difficult to predict interactions between the different system con components. So I appreciate that very much. I suppose where I'm in a slightly different place to you is that 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 organisations don't feel that they're um, kind of pushing people to do the last bit of the plan they actually believe that they've done the plan mm -hmm. and that they're actually doing that they've set the workers up for success mm -hmm. and that um that when things don't go to plan well it's because the workers um were careless or 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 didn't try hard enough so I'm a, so you can see I'm a little bit I'm I'm kind of sure. a, a bit more negative and a bit more positive <laughs> on the on this one because I I I see they 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 rather than um, thinking okay we're just going to get workers to manage dynamic risk instead they think huh that the, we've done this plan we've risk assessed it we've done the, the, the 
all the paperwork that we need to do, the permits and everything. And now when it goes wrong, uh, we we think that the, the workers have um, done some sort of rule breaking. So that's what, but maybe what the, the big challenge that we have is sh showing organizations more your your perspective that, that that there is all this dynamic risk happening and that how can we b build the ability to speak up about that dynamic risk the ability to look at that dynamic risk and that yes. just go for more of a realization of it uh, look i absolutely agree because i mean you know i think there's two things um people in that space um, when they're successful, and when I use the word successful, I mean that nothing has gone wrong that the organization becomes aware of. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, we, we just take that that's what they do. We don't acknowledge it. We don't appreciate it. We just say, well, that's the job they're paid to do. But when they're unsuccessful, meaning something has come to the attention of something or something has gone wrong, then we move into that accountability component exactly what you're saying because obviously we have deviated we have you know not applied we have you know made things up as we go as, as, as a result and, and what fascinates me is that uh, we believe our plan work is to help people be successful but we never evaluate the risk that's left over we only evaluate or assess what we're planned for and how do we support workers to deal with whatever the stuff is left over yeah i like this this question a lot because by putting it in those words it tells us that our risk assessment processes are not sufficient so we then talk about well well what does it take in in terms of risk assessment and and some companies have gone down the route of safety critical task analysis mm -hmm. okay and um and that is is helpful because it you look at specific um task that if you if there's an issue with them there's no recovery and that's helpful but it's but it's quite narrow and so then you say well so what other tools do we have out there what can we do without creating an industry of of risk assessment and toolbox talks are actually quite a helpful thing because if we change the way that toolbox talks are done there's two ways that we do toolbox talks the first way is look at and this you would have seen this look at slip strips and falls and um and look at it from quite a bureaucratic perspective but at the same time a toolbox talk could be well what's making the work difficult what are the issues that have happened in the past what would how what would you say to somebody who had never done this job before what are the the things that could trip you up and so as, as well as 
either learning teams or walkthrough talk through. So these processes do exist. It's the the point is that they are in many organizations these toolbox talks are literally a tick box exercise. So it's really about saying well how can we embed dynamic risk assessment into normal work and I'm sure there's plenty of people listening um in uh, to this pod- podcast who say me 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 I have got, we've got the answer and and absolutely I think that there are companies out there who are doing routine dynamic risk assessment which is very exciting um because our challenge um Brent is that how do we make how do we move the industry forward and safety forward without um without it seeming as if it's a totally radical and new and disruptive thing to do because senior leaders are are very worried about disrupting their organizations um in the sense that of destabilizing their organizations so things that we can do that are changes to or and adaptations to what is already working a bit like toolbox talks or dynamic risk assessments can make a quite a big difference for what is actually a relatively small change to the process but i'm very interested to to hear what you would 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 think what are your views on that sure i i think once again i think in a post covid world yeah organizations <laughs> have less appetite for transformation mm, so i yes. think really has how the new view has been pitched and just as other um ways of doing things differently have been pitched in the past whether it be safety or quality environmental it's all about transformation and i think the appetite for organizations moving forward is more about um uh, getting more from what they've got or optimizing or realigning and and i sort of reminds me of the work of edward deming at the end of world war 2 with japan where he went in there where they were trying to rebuild japan by making use of what they had yeah not what they didn't have or what they well, should have had so i i see this too in the in the companies that i work with it's about how do we keep the organization stable by taking what we've have and making adjustments to it so for example incident investigation we 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 update the incident investigation process so that it has human factors analysis in it and we include the human factors analysis training for the people who do investigation um that is a small change but it has a massive effect in terms of underla- understanding the underlying um influencing factors um the way that we uh rewrite procedures we we review procedures on a three yearly basis but we're going to look at human factors again in the in those in the way that the human the the procedures are set up and then looking at our learning from normal work processes um for example i know a lot of companies have safety conversations and i know that that's very very 
um, superficial, but changing the way that questions are asked in safety conversations. So rather than saying, why are you not following this procedure in, and, and trying to catch people out, instead saying, well, what's making the work difficult and um, how would you want to change this procedure? So I agree that this whole idea of new view and transformation is perhaps an overstatement of the type of change that practical change that makes a lot of gives a huge amount of value in companies however however there is one thing which is a huge transformational change and that is the the organizational understanding of why things don't go to plan mm -hmm. and that's a massive change and that's what what is is basically the, the the first thing that people work on and and find that the level of resistance to the the view that people cause incidents and that the organization has set the workplace up perfectly and that people are malicious actors um, causing things not going to plan, that is an enormous transformation. And it, so it's not a transformation of process or adding in um, extra tools. It is a, a transformation in the education and understanding of leaders. And it's very tricky to do because if I go into a into an organization and say well you're wrong you know you go around blaming people and uh and you don't look at your data it's this is actually just poor data analysis the reason why you think that people are the problem because you just look at things in a very superficial way i myself are then blaming them mm -hmm. so then we have a we have a cycle of blame a lack of trust and so therefore using data i think is 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 very very important to reveal yeah. the what's really going on in an organization and that's kind of the key that that helps uh, the decision makers understand thank you listeners for being part of this podcast we would love to hear your learnings or other topics you would like us to explore about learning teams. Go to www.podcastlearnings.com and give us your feedback. Become part of the community of practice with learning teams. Go to www.learningteamscommunity.com. Support the authors of the practice of learning teams. Purchase the book from Amazon.com or go to www.learningteamsbook.com for an inside look and other free book resources from the authors. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. 
No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.